This is Student Activist Hub Radio, a conversation on local and national political issues and events. You can call us at 314-516-8438. That's 516-THE-U. And now your hosts, Adam and Kevin. Hello. Hello. Uh, welcome to uh, Student Activist Hub Radio. And uh, that was our new opening that just debuted with our executive producer, uh, Lori, uh, who uh, just gave a, a great um, uh, opening. Uh, today, um, we have a lot to talk about. Um, so, indeed, Adam, go ahead. And <laughs> uh, well, um, Kevin and I, last week, uh, we went around with a video recorder and an audio recorder, and we got all these great clips, but unfortunately, <laughs> we're having a little difficulty. Yeah. Technical, um, technical problems. You, a few difficulties, yeah, getting them up, but um, we have a lot to talk about with the yeah. elections, both, I think, um, the sort of national implications for uh, Democratic Party or progressives or whoever, um, as well as some of the local Missouri politics. Yeah. Um, so I think we, uh, we, could, we could start with a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, Do you, uh, I mean, I guess we should go ahead and just get every all of our listeners up to date that they're for those of you who, and I hope everyone knows that there was a uh, midterm election, which basically is a election in the middle of the president's term, uh, and so only members of Congress were up for election. And in the midterm election, the Republican Party uh, gained a tremendous um, power and were able to gain control of the House of Representatives although the Democrats retain control of the Senate. Now, here in Missouri, um, there were a few uh, changes in the political scene as well. Uh, Robin Carnahan, uh, the Democratic nominee for Senate, and the um, Secretary of State of Missouri lost uh, the Senate race, an open Senate seat, uh, to Roy Blunt uh, by about a 14-point margin. uh, And... um, the, and her brother was uh, reelected uh, to the third uh, Missouri's third congressional district uh, by a by a fairly uh, you know it was a close race it was definitely quite close about five, he won by about four thousand four hundred votes you know, out of what two hundred votes two hundred thousand votes cast, cast. Uh, yeah and um, you know the the uh, out in uh, western Missouri Ike Skelton. Uh, who is a longtime congressman, uh, lost his bid for re-election as a Democrat and um, lost his bid to a much more... Con- uh, you know, he was considered a conservative uh, Democrat, but he lost to a very, very conservative challenger on the Republican end. Um, so, Pretty, uh, uh, and I think Skelton, you know, sort of like a fixture of Missouri politics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think it was pretty shocking yeah. to quite a few democrats although he's hardly <laughs> he's not the most um shall we say democratic yeah. member of he's, the democratic he's what, caucus he's but. what people have called you know he's what we call a blue dog uh which means basically a very conservative uh democrat um and you know he you know on a lot of the big issues the health care bill he voted against that the stimulus bill um the uh Financial regulation, I'm not sure what his opinion was on that. Don't ask, don't tell. He was a firm opponent of that. So, you know, he was definitely quite conservative yeah, on uh, quite a few issues. I actually uh, <laughs> spoke with uh, Ed Reggie uh, earlier today, who was uh, 
a co-host of the show a few weeks ago with Kevin. Um, and uh, he was mentioning how he got a bunch. He had uh, actually done a protest outside of Skelton's office uh-huh. um, a while ago because uh-huh. of Skelton's views on don't ask, don't tell. And I think maybe some other LGBT issues. Uh-huh. Um, but then uh, so after the election, he got calls from Mother Jones and all these different <laughs> oh, um, really? uh, outlets saying, uh, do you think Skelton lost because he uh, alienated his progressive his progressive base. What, what, where, well, not that not that his base is super progressive. Yeah. But, um, and what Ed said is he he basically didn't want to like focus on Skelton. He just said that you know he looked at the St. Louis results and saw that uh, Russ Carnahan and Charlie Dooley did kind of stand up for LGBT issues yeah. and they won. You know, just barely, but they were able to win by sort of fighting for these some of these core. You know, sort yeah. of issues that the you know that generally the Democratic Party supports. So I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting sort of anecdote yeah. on his part that all the. I'm not sure those were the quotes that the media outlets were, were looking, <laughs> looking for. for but, no, I don't think so. Well, right now there is uh, you know a division in the Democratic Party. You have a loss, and every time you see loss, there's also chaos on the political arena. And so the Democrats um, are in a fight. Um, to to see who is, uh, you know, what what side of the Democratic Party is, um, you know, going to prevail. And on one side, you have moderates uh, who, you know, in my mind, they're more conservative uh, Democrats um, who, you know, opposed the health care plan, felt that that was sweeping uh, too too liberal, um, who opposed uh, the stimulus package oppose the financial regulation and the only real area that they find agreement with Obama is the war in Iraq and, and sort of, uh, you know, the efforts to, uh, uh, limit, um, the power of, of unions and, and teachers unions in the public schools. Those are the two areas where they've, they've agreed with the Obama administration, but on the other big issues, uh, they are very, very opposed. And they were basically decimated in this, this past election, the blue dogs, their caucus uh, was about 54 members, and about 26 of their members were swept out of office. Longtime members, Ike Skelton, uh, John Spratt, who was a powerful Democrat from the South, South Carolina, Gene Taylor, who had been in Congress for 20 years, powerful Democrat from Mississippi, uh, you know, many, many uh, Democrats who were longtime, very conservative, mostly in the South and, and the Midwest, were swept out of office, and... Uh, uh, the what remains of them have said that the Democrats must move to the right, must accommodate mm-hmm. the Republicans, uh, must adopt Republican principles in order to win. Uh, and they used the midterm election where they were completely swept out of office. Half of their members okay. went down in defeat as a reason, as evidence for why we should adopt Republican principles, yeah. uh, you know, why the Democrats should adopt Republican principles. Yeah, I would say, um, too, I mean, from my perspective, the Blue Dogs really, um, you could say they sort of got their just desserts in the sense that <laughs> yeah. um, really, you know, people, I I mean, I think people were, the reason the election went so much in favor of Republicans nationally was that people were very upset about the economy and people thought that, you know, maybe not enough steps were taken and that the process was long and grueling and frustrating and you know really uh it's hard it was hard for the democrats to make the argument well the republicans are being obstructionist because 
Democrats at one point had 60, 60 senators and had a majority in the House and should have been able to pass legislation. Yeah. But, you know, the blue dogs really were the people who were holding it back, even yeah. when Democrats had such a huge majority and had such, you know, what should have been a position of power. You had these blue dogs that were holding back uh, legislation from, you know, the stimulus from being larger, yeah. where yeah. it w- might have had a much more significant effect on the economy much quicker. Um, they held out, you know, making the health care uh, laws go into effect later. Mm. Um, and, you know, in general, they just kind of delayed and dragged their feet. And I think they, more than probably a lot of other politicians, represented sort of the the ugly side of politics where you saw like Ben Nelson wanting yeah. to get a special deal for Nebraska in order yeah. to vote for health care. Same thing with the Senator Mary, Ben Nelson, Senator from Nebraska, Democrat, Blue Dog, um, Mary Landrew, a senator from Louisiana who was a Blue Dog as well. Blanche Lincoln from Arkansas who was a Blue Dog, very conservative, uh, you know, held up a lot of legislation. She ended up voting for the health care bill after holding it up for many weeks uh, and threatening to filibuster it, she was defeated by over 20 points in this election. So there's a question of, does the blue dog style of politics, which is, uh, you know, to accommodate the Republicans, um, you know, work? And I think on the policy level, you know, there is there's there's that debate. You see Paul, Paul Krugman, who is a Nobel Prize winning Princeton University professor, as well as a New York Times columnist uh, who has um, argued that on the policy level, the stimulus was too small to be effective. It was large enough to prevent the economy from going into the abyss and large enough to sort of pull back the, the massive damage and massive jobs loss that occurred by the end of the Bush administration. It was strong enough to do that, but it wasn't strong enough to have a, a, a an a, a, a unemployment recovery and put more Americans back to work. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not preventing large states like California from cutting back their budgets, which cut back state contracts, cut back construction, teachers, firefighters, people who are working are unemployed and now put into the job market. Those types of things continued and in large part because of the stimulus uh, package and because you know the democrats you know really they had six, they had 50 votes which is you know enough to push things through uh the senate but they decided that they wanted to accommodate you know these the blue dogs had enough power in the united states senate that they could you know do what's called a filibuster they could block legislation and require a higher number of votes for that legislation to get passed and they could also prevent the leadership of the democratic party uh from uh, using other Senate procedures in order to pass legislation through by just a simple majority vote without these high legislative barriers. And it's it's sort of amazing. Like, I mean, not, you would think in a healthy sort of democracy that not everyone's going to vote with their party, every single yeah. issue and that kind of thing. But it's pretty amazing that the Blue Dogs, you know, not only didn't vote with their party but were willing to filibuster yeah, in order to, to get to their way like procedurally block it yeah kind of you know why not just uh allow uh the vote to go through and then vote no against it if yeah, you didn't like it but they were it. you know outright obstructing their party yeah. and they really sort of held back democrats and, and the, from what they and, were and trying the to policy do. issue that's the policy area that's where to me that was the problem the economy was 
poor, and people were upset about that. If you had an economy that was in good shape, then Obama and the Democrats would have a much stronger chance at winning. Uh, and, and my view is they probably would have uh, been able to win or at least not have such a disastrous loss, uh, especially in the House of Representatives. Um, you know, people were willing to support very extreme candidates, uh, you know, take, take uh, you know, a lot of the folks that are in the Tea Party. Uh, you know, Adam and I were talking earlier about, you know, candidates that believed in um, spreading radioactive waste across the United States, that believed that AIDS was a hoax, that believed that uh, climate change was a hoax. These are the type of people, liberal hoax, that's designed to drive the nation into communism or something. These people have gained power in Washington, and, you know, they've replaced the blue dogs. So in that sense, they are very extreme, and the blue dogs were a better alternative. But, you know, on the other hand, there's a question. My view is that those types of people will be eventually um, swept from office themselves as people realize how extreme they are. Uh, but, you know, and and hopefully the Democrats take a view, at least to stand for their principles. I myself don't agree with either party on every single issue, but I can see that if one party doesn't stand for anything and, and you know, just backs up, backs away from what it actually believes, voters are going to take that as a sign of weakness. If someone at least says, I believe in what I believe in and I'm going to stand for what I believe in, they have a ch- better chance of winning as opposed to, you know, uh, backing away from that and saying, oh, well, I actually voted with John Boehner, the, who's the set, to, who's a conservative, who's a Republican from Ohio and the leader of the Republican Party in, in Congress and set to become House Speaker. A lot of Democrats were saying, I voted with this Republican Speaker 80% of the time. By the way, those Democrats were defeated. Um, uh, and so that strategy, in my mind, this has been discredited. You can't expect to... Uh, you lose half of your members and say uh, the way to go uh, is to follow the way that we took, follow our electoral path. You, you know, your your strategy cost you a very, very high rate of, of loss. I think the better strategy is to stand for your principles. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are going to take a quick uh, or do a quick public service announcement, and we will be back in a little bit to talk more about the elections. Yep. You secure your home, you lock your car, but what do you do to protect your valuables at work? In times like these, crime can happen anywhere, at any time. Taking some simple preventive measures in your workplace can help cut down on theft, scams, and even physical assault. Keep your purse, wallet, and keys locked in a drawer or closet. Leaving your valuables unattended for even a few moments could create an opportunity for a thief. Visitors should be made to check in at your front desk, wear a name badge, and be escorted to their destination. Unidentified persons in your workplace should be reported immediately. Report faulty locks, broken windows, and burned out lights. Use caution when entering stairwells, restrooms, elevators, and parking garages. If you notice an employee acting irrationally, tell your employer. To learn more on how to keep your workplace safe, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. Crime prevention at work. It works. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. Uh, welcome back. This is uh, Student Activist Radio for those who um, have just tuned in. And I'm Kevin with my co-host, Adam. Howdy, howdy. And uh, we've been talking about the results of the midterm elections, which have brought in a wave of Republican congressmen and control of the Republican Party 
at the House of Representatives. I, I, well, first, before we move on, uh, I want to note just a program note. Uh, St. Louis Activist Hub Radio is now on iTunes. Uh, you can find us podcasting on iTunes. You can find us on podcast for, uh, form on the blog, stlactivisthub.blogspot.org. But now you can also find us on iTunes. And all you have to do is go to the iTunes store, look at the podcast directory, and type in Activist Hub Radio, and our show will come up. And you will be able to download us directly onto iTunes and then your iPod as well. So uh, for those of you who might not be able to subscribe to the show and listen to it, uh, you know, from our slotted hour on the radio, you can also find us uh, in podcast form uh, at iTunes. Go to your iTunes player and then type in Activist Hub Radio and we will come right up. Uh, so I guess, Adam, you wanted to move ahead to the Missouri political scene and talk about that yeah um so uh like you mentioned um there was uh you know we pulled out some close races with russ carnahan yeah. um, in missouri's third district uh, charlie dooley the county executive won a close race um but one race that i think is really uh important um we're trying look kevin and i were trying to figure out what exactly the filibuster proof uh, majority is in missouri and we're not sure but um it's right around that mark right now. And um, Joan Bray was a state senator um, in Missouri from the St. Louis area who was just a really amazing, outspoken, progressive voice who would get up and give speeches that, you know, even if they didn't get Republicans to vote the right way, they really kind of motivated, um, you know, Democrats and, and sort of inspired people. And she was term limited out. And Barbara Frazier, uh, is another progressive woman who was running for her seat, but she had a tough challenge from um, a guy, John Lamping, a Republican who was running against her. And um, what was really interesting and sort of disturbing about this race is that the race turned out to be um, decided by, um, the first time I heard it, they said 172 votes. There was an article in the Post-Dispatch on Thursday that said 176. So I don't know why there was a difference, but I know there were some provisional ballots that needed to be counted, too. Mm. Um, so it is within the range where there's going to be an automatic recount. It mm. is less than a 1%, which is the Missouri um, law, because mm. there, I think there were 60,000 or so votes cast. Yeah. Um, so there is going to be an automatic recount. But um, what's really troubling to me is that Student Life, uh, the newspaper at Washington University, has been running... Uh, they ran a couple articles on voter problems for students, and basically, and, and, and Fraser is running in a district that includes Washu, uh, mm-hmm. University City, uh, places in sort of central St. Louis County, and then also places in West County, uh, which are a little bit more conservative. Yes, exactly. So, um, so it has the sort of Washu contingent, um, but also you know some of the the more conservative areas of West County. Um, but, uh, student life, the newspaper at Washington university has been reporting on all these problems. And so the main problem is that there was a whole lot of students who, um, voted in the same location two years ago. There's actually a location on campus at Ursa's, uh, uh, which is like a coffee shop on campus. Um, they set up polling their location there for a lot of the students who live on campus and a lot of students who voted there two years ago who are still part of the same district, had been completely removed from the voter rolls. Yeah, And so uh, one of the things that was a problem is that 
they shouldn't have been removed completely from the voter rolls. They should have been listed as inactive yeah, voters. And then they could have gone to the polls and, and uh, confirmed their status. Yeah, then they could have gone and confirmed their status. But then another problem, which to me is, is even more disturbing, is they were denied provisional ballots. Yeah. And there's a quote from a lady in the Student Life article um, that says... Uh, who was a polling location supervisor who says the Board of Elections contacted told, them yes, yeah. and told them not to give out provisional ballots. And for those listeners who don't know, the St. Louis County Board of Elections is appointed by, is, is a Republican Board of Elections. Uh, you know, they, they are a Republican, that's a re- Republican majority board. Ed Martin was on the St. Louis City Board of Elections before mm-hmm. he ran, and so... That's the type of people who are on this board, uh, if you want to have a clue. Yeah, and there have been uh, problems every year. I've, you know, 2008, 2006, 2004. There have been all kinds of problems. I'll, I'll get into a little specifics of the problems at Washington University. But so these students were not given provisional ballots. And um, according to Denise Lieberman, um, who was our guest, um, yeah. was it last week? Yeah, an uh, attorney for the Advancement Project. For the Advancement Project, who was, you know, looked into this case, there is no reason whatsoever that they should not be given provisional ballots. I mean, that's the law states that, you know, anyone basically anyone should be given a provisional ballot and you should be allowed to vote. And then if you're in the right district, then your vote counts. Yeah. And if it turns out you're in the wrong district, then your, your vote, vote doesn't, doesn't count. count. But they were told not to give the students uh uh, provisional ballots. So all of these students, and the, the one of the articles I saw said that uh, they had this policy until about four thirty in the afternoon, and then they and reversed then they, policy. Then they reversed said, it. Okay, and we'll the polls give. closed at seven. So yeah. So basically, the vast majority of the day, students were removed off the voter rolls and were uh, not given provisional ballots. Now at this point, it's kind of hard to know how many students this happened to like we said it was a razor thin race 172 votes deciding it um student life reported that about 400 people voted in Hmm. the district out of 1800 registered voters voters. in that precinct so you know it seems possible that there might have been a lot of students you know i mean who knows how many um one of the things was they asked someone at the polling location uh, how many students, you know, weren't allowed to vote, and they said, oh, only a handful. Mm. But that doesn't really make sense because one of the people quoted in the article said that he saw four students in a row right in front of him get denied. Yeah. So that's already a handful. And then the other thing again. is that, you know, the whole process just seems very, you know, interesting, you know, to me, to say the least, very fishy. You have the uh, poll, they sent out the voter registration cards at a time where they knew the students weren't going to be there. Right, over the summer. Over the uh-huh. summer, and then when they received them back, they immediately purged them from the rolls, yeah. which is not their procedure. They should have listed them at, as inactive. So it seems like you know, a board of elections that knows that elections are close in this part of, of the, the city uh, you know, did a little jiggering in order to uh, you know, tip this this margin. I mean, it was still a quite a close race, but, uh, you know, and it's unclear whether or not that would have made a difference. But, you know, the, those are very irregular, uh, you know, uh, types of activities going on at the WashU precinct. Definitely. And I mean, not only to mention that this race was close, but it was also in the same, uh, you know, that vote, those Voters were voting on yeah, the Ed Russ Martin. Barnahan, Ed yeah. Martin race, yeah. the Charlie Dooley, Dooley. Bill Corrigan yeah. race. So there were a lot of races that were really close and came down to the wire. 
that could potentially have been influenced by this. So I think um, I've been told by some reporters that they're going to be looking into that a little more this week. I think what one thing that really needs to be determined is who at the board of elections told called them yeah called said, the poll worker and yeah. said well that has to be determined what how valid that it could not have it might have been not somebody from the board but it might have been a fake call you know this is politics and mm-hmm. so who knows it could have come out of nowhere and the poll worker is one of the things that uh, Professor Lieberman Denise Lieberman uh, who is the the senior attorney at the Advancement Project noted is that the poll workers aren't the most well-trained people. There has been incidents before where they haven't applied the proper regulations and that if somebody is sounds official and has a suit on and gives the right title, then they assume that they're, they have authority over what the poll worker can do. Mm-hmm. And so we have no idea what these poll workers were actually doing, and there needs to be a thorough investigation. And I think that, you know, in the future, the Democrats, um, you know, and not not just the Democrats, but everyone who is concerned about, you know, a fair electoral process ought to, you know, have more monitoring over at that precinct. One of the things that Adam has pointed out is that this is not the first time that there have been irregular activities going on there in 2006 and in 2002. You've also had the denial of provisional ballots. Yeah. Uh, I was, do you mind if I go ahead? Yeah, because you've, you've written about it. Yeah. So, uh, so 2002 um, at the also at the Washu precinct, poll workers refused to give students provisional ballots, yeah. and they had been purged from the voter list. Um, in 2004, um, students reported that there were um, 13 available voting machines, but the poll workers would only allow them to use three of them. And so they had like two and three hour lines uh-huh. because they were waiting, <laughs> yeah. even though there was all yeah. these machines not being used. Um, in 2006, uh, again, students who were registered to vote at that location were left off voter rolls. And at that same election, a lot of students went um, to the St. Louis County Board of Elections Commissioner's Office where they should be legally um, allowed to vote, like uh, Denise Lieberman was saying last week. And um, there was one of the employees there, Joseph uh, Goki, I don't know how to pronounce his name, G-O-E-K-E, mm-hmm. who at that time was an employee and who now is the director of the county board of elections, okay, okay he um, told the students to go back to their own uh, location. And that was they not would have had to cast law. provisional yeah. ballots and would have been less are, likely. The board, to are board of elections officials appointed by the governor? I don't, I don't know how it works. I don't understand why St. Louis County would have, you know. And the city, of course. Yeah. And a, yeah, why the city. I mean, I noticed that there was... It looked like there was a Republican board director and a Democratic director, but I, I don't know if they're co-directors or what. Uh-huh. So, anyways, the same guy. So first he told them to go back, and then when they said no, we're going to stay because we want to vote here with a regular ballot. He told them they had to wait outside because they were being rowdy. <laughs> so, oh my goodness! So that's just student stuff, and then all. I mean, there's other stuff like. And, and you have to remember that Wash U, is a student body. People are, you know you know, well, very well educated. They're, uh, you know, know what the election is about. They have people around them like Denise Lieberman, who is an adjunct professor, you know, and so they're able to, you know, sort of take these extraordinary steps. But a lot of other precincts where this type of, I, you know, wouldn't put it past the St. Louis County Board of Elections to be sanctioning some of these other activities. Those voters are not going to, to drive all the way up to the you know, drive all the way mm-hmm. to the county seat and, and cast a ballot. They're just going to say, okay, you know, 
I, I didn't really want to go out anyway, and I'm not going to wait in line. And I'm, you know, there's a problem with the ballot. You know, okay, that's okay. You know, and and so this these these well documented cases are part of the reason why you know it's interesting is because these are students who have access to the media, whose parents might be you know election lawyers or something, and so if there's a problem with their ballots, they're going to complain. But you know, a lot of other areas of the county, you're not going to see that. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to see that that uh, you know type of complaints, and that's that's an, another huge concern. In a close, in these close races, how many voters were intimidated? How many voters were told the wrong thing? How many poll workers didn't properly apply the law and give them a provisional ballot? Mm-hmm. This was a hundred and seventy-two to one hundred and seventy-six vote election, and and the interesting thing is that there seems to be you don't hear about these stories coming out of West County. You don't hear Ladue and town and country talking about how we couldn't get our ballots. Right. You know, you hear it talking, you know, you hear it in, at this with, with students, you hear it in North, you know, County. North County, African-Americans, you know, minorities. That's where you hear these stories coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have yeah. in 2008, I know there were several issues where there were six-hour lines at one place in Velda City, and uh, this guy, again, uh, Goki, he said he didn't hear about it until yeah. 4 p.m., um, I know in University City, we had four precincts all combined into one yeah. uh, and had huge lines. Um, when I, I served as a poll monitor, I think in 2008, uh-huh. and uh, there was like police cars sitting outside of a, a polling station <laughs> with like flashing lights, you uh-huh. know, up in uh, the northern part of the county. So it just seemed like, you know, there's these issues need to be watched. And unfortunately, when you have in a year like this, when Democrats are getting outspent by these special interests. Yeah. They didn't have very much money to do sort of the poll monitoring and yeah. like that kind of thing that they have in some past And years. And we, we can talk about the Republican side after the, the station break, but, but it's not just Democrats that should be concerned about it. The Republicans are the ones who claim to be concerned about uh, voter fraud, but here's incidents where, you know, there's voter irregularities that, that uh, you know, are coming from the top, it seems, and they're not getting adequate attention. So, um, let's go ahead and we're going to do a really quick, quick station break break, and, uh, we will be back in two seconds or slightly more than two seconds. Hi everyone. This is Amber Ojeda. And whenever I'm in the need for a good music fix, I always check in with Ryu. And we're back, uh, from a quick station break. This is student activist hub. Radio, uh, and we're I'm your host Kevin, and with uh, my co-host Adam, uh-huh. uh, and we are talking about the fallout from the midterm elections, both on a national level and in St. Louis. And one of the things that uh, has been in the news uh, on the subject of voter irregularities is the, the Tea Party, and what do they claim about voter irregularities? And oh, of yeah. course, uh, you know there is. Just like you saw with the uh, hullabaloo about Acorn, which uh, was a organization that was defunded by the Congress of the United States because of alleged voter inactivity, alleged voter uh, you know irregularities, and later investigations by uh, many state attorney generals found them to be unfounded, uh, and no criminal activity had occurred. Now you find the Tea Party here in St. Louis uh, making claims that there has been voter irregularities. We mentioned that um, Russ Carnahan, uh, you know, is clearly the 
you know, has clearly come out on top as the leader of this race. And, uh, you know, the his opponent in the third congressional district, uh, Ed Martin, uh, has not conceded yet and has claimed that there was voter fraud. Uh, the let's talk about the lead. Adam, did you want to talk about some of the leaders of the St. Louis Tea Party? Um, yeah, what's the I, there? I know that there's one that you uh, she she's an up and coming leader, and, and you had a little well, tip with give her. Not much credit. <laughs> but, uh, their, their their latest spokesperson is someone named Jen Ennenbach, and she's sort of been their spokesperson. There was an article in the Beacon today that mentioned that yeah. Bill Hennessy was sort of stepping down, a break and, and he's and the the leader of the the spokesman of the St. Louis Tea Party. Yeah, he was the original founder, and Dana Lash, I think, is going to be focusing more on her radio show stuff. So, anyways, uh, yeah, Jen Ennenbach is one of their new people. But I think more uh, to what we were talking about, I'd be interested in talking a little bit about the specific allegations that they've made, um, just because um, they're a lot not of them are really so, yeah they're, <laughs> so flimsy. So. And, and and Ed Martin has said that there's vote fraud, and he sort of, uh, you know, muddied the waters and said, you know, that he's talked about this security company, which came out before the election. He's mentioned that, you know, the Secretary of State's office, which certifies the election, um, is, you know, the uh, Secretary of State is uh, Russ Carnahan's sister, Robin Carnahan, you know, of course— uh, she was elected by the that's an elected position. She was elected by the voters, and you know nobody, including you know these uh, the Republican members of the St. Louis County Board of Elections, has alleged that there was any in, you know uh, malfeasance coming out of of the Carnahan campaign at all. It's it's just not been asserted as, as serious, but yeah, Ed Martin is claiming it anyway. So, I mean, so basically what Ed Martin is doing is he's playing a little sort of shell game where he pretends to be sort of just asking questions, you know, just like Glenn Beck, just asking questions uh, yeah. uh, on the one hand. But at the same, so on Wednesday, he had a press conference where he said, you know, he was just raising these questions. But really interestingly, the uh, at his press conference is uh, <laughs> at 1 p.m. At noon, the Tea Party had a rally where they were not asking questions. They were just chanting voter fraud outside of the city board of elections. They were chanting voter fraud. They said the race was stolen by Robin Carnahan, blah, 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 blah. And all of these same people, basically like 20 of the same people who were at the Tea Party rally, were the exact same people standing behind Ed Martin when he said, oh, look at my supporters who we just want to ask questions. So, yeah. So he's sort of... It seems like he's kind of playing. He's trying to appear reasonable while at the same time having his Tea Party uh, followers um, sort of drum up these charges. But then I, w- I want to talk a little bit about the specific charges. So he, Ed Martin lays out like these three claims. One of them was that he thought this vote surge at the end of the night was very suspicious. So yeah. up through a lot of the evening, Ed Martin was leading. And then there was only like eight precincts left to be counted. Or I think it was a little more. Uh, And then Russ Carnahan was down by 500 votes, and then all of a sudden he was winning by 5,000 votes. So Ed Martin said that was suspicious. But on Thursday, he, in a Daily Caller article, he now admits, oh, well, actually, now that I've looked at the precincts involved, that's not suspicious. So he admits one of them is ridiculous. Well, and did the Tea Party admit that? Well, go on with the three claims. Because I I read an article in the St. Louis Beacon, I believe, and it has Jean Innenbach, the new leader, and she's 
right now what the Tea Party has, is doing is they're going door to door in St. Louis, knocking on doors, because they claim that people in the precincts in St. Louis were dead. And they were registered, and they actually cast votes for Russ Carnahan. Yeah, so that's, that's right. You know that they're doing that now, um, and so we'll see how successful they they come out with. It. So yeah, so that I think that relates more to a different issue. So, uh, so the second claim Ed Martin made was that um, the security firm called I think Special Services, hired by the Board of Elections, mm-hmm. had gasp been hired by. Russ Carnahan three yeah. months ago, and he thought this was a mysterious conflict of interest <laughs> that they should not be hired, and like you know, who knows what could have happened to those ballots? And this turned out to just be an absurdly ridiculous joke. This claim by Ed Martin, because well, not only had Ed Martin hired the same group in the past when he worked for the Archdiocese, but it turned out all that they did was they had two security guards who stood outside of the Board of Elections office during the day just to make sure that. Nothing happened. You know, it's not like there was like these. They didn't handle transporting ballots. ballots around, you know, in, in dark vans or something, yeah. you know, like with security guards. So just Ed, Martin, Ed Martin hired the same firm for the archdiocese. Yes. Back when back when back he was, when he was in, it was in a long in a time ago. Position. But nevertheless, you know, the fact that he's raising these quest, like acting like it's some suspicious firm is pretty. Ridiculous. I mean, they, they I don't that claim to me seemed very weak because, you know, the firm was hired to do a contract for Carnahan, but the allegation was never that they had a uh, profit interest in Carnahan winning the election. I mean, mm-hmm. that was never the, the allegation. They just had a contract from Carnahan. So I, that, that claim just sort of blew over my head because I didn't understand what, the, what point he was making. Right. right. You know, uh, so uh, what if they yeah. had a current point, you know, contract? Exactly. Okay. And so then the last point, uh, you know, the first two are just embarrassingly bad. And then the last point, um, is, you know, a little more interesting and I think relates to what you were talking about, but still, you know, there's no way it would have affected this election. So this last point was that during a big chunk of the day, the voter verification system at the Secretary of State's office was down and some polling places would use that to check to make sure that a certain voter was registered. Mm -hmm. However, a statement by the Secretary of State's office said that, well, actually in Arnold County and in St. Louis County, um, or in Jefferson County. Oh, sorry. Jeff- yeah, yeah. Jefferson where, where Arnold, Missouri is. Where yeah. Arnold, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, in Jefferson County and St. Louis County, they the poll workers have Palm Pilots where they have the same voter roll, and so they oh, don't okay. need to connect to the system. Yeah. So basically, that, again, would not, you know, affect doesn't in make any, any way, sense. Um, what's his, um, Ed Martin won Jefferson County, so... If the system was down, it would have just as much of an effect where he won than where he lost. Well, here's okay, yes, but here's what he's claiming. Or he, I think Martin is specifically being careful not to say exactly this, but the Tea Party people who are basically worth it working hand in hand with him, they are willing to say that what they think happened is that while the voter system was down, uh, People were bust in. This is what they're saying oh, is that yes. handicapped okay, yeah, people, yeah. mentally handicapped people, were bust in and allowed to vote who shouldn't have been allowed see, to vote no, under I, the Missouri. And I, I saw that, you know, and I don't understand how you can make that claim. I mean, did they just see someone who they thought was mentally handicapped, right? And then I, just said oh, there must be re- re- mentally retarded or something like that because. I see them and their eyes aren't. Look, I, I really don't understand I, how that claim yeah. even 
how that claim is verifiable and good at luck all. getting them to answer or yeah. why I don't, you know, so I don't know why, how they came up with this. At one point they said that an election judge told them that this was a problem that was going on, but, uh, but they saw one van with eight people. That's what they said. They said one van with one, eight people. And at one point, one of them, Jim Durbin said, Jim Durbin, who, sure. who is uh, a conservative blogger at 24 state or at the 24 state.com. That's right. Uh, he said, well, we know for sure one of them was not Hot. eligible to vote. <laughs> and that's, so their their whole, like, Ed Martin not conceding this race is basically relies on them claiming that one person was not eligible to vote who did vote. But, in fact, we don't really even know that because the, the Tea Party's interpretation of the law is flat-out wrong because there's um, several court cases. Um, someone, Michelle from the Bone blog, actually wrote a guest post on the Activist Hub blog where she explained that there's a law that, sh- or there was a court case that showed that um, it's basically up to the courts to decide um, whether people who are under guardianship are allowed to vote or not. And so they might still, someone might still be assigned to be, to have a guardian or be a ward of the state, but the judge can still rule that, oh, yeah, they know enough to be able to be eligible to vote. Whereas yeah. the Tea Party was claiming anyone under guardianship should not be allowed to vote. So that, but I mean, setting us so even if the uh, the the van that held mentally incapacitated people uh, actually did come, yeah, actually was true. That claim was true. Mm-hmm. That was still be legal under uh, the Missouri Constitution because of previous court cases, as long as it's received a consent from the judge. But they haven't, you know, that claim isn't even remotely close to verifiable because it's right. just eyewitness hearsay, essentially. I saw it and somebody told me it, essentially. Right. Right. So there's no, that wouldn't stand up in a court of law. Right. Now, knowing the Tea Party, they might have uh, taken video of something or like trying to track down people. It sounds like they're trying to track down something. So yeah. they might be digging around to try to still find some information. But well, they you know, their original claims to to justify this screaming voter fraud outside of the office is basically yeah. based on Well, and I think what they should the do law. is they should head over to the St. Louis County Board and scream voter fraud there because and scream elect irregularities there because Wash U voters were disenfranchised and that's documented by well, the, the student nice newspaper. I think they should do that too. I think they'd be very concerned about this. Since they they so do seem concerned process. and we have there's documentation that's readily available where the reporter went out and interviewed the poll worker and got information mm-hmm. that you can go back and check that says that they were polling irregularities. So they should follow up on that as opposed to just coming up with things out of thin air and hearsay that's not really, you know, it's very hard to verify. Yeah. And so um, before we take our next station break, I just yeah. wanted to, to say a little bit about, I mean, some of the rumors that I have been hearing is that basically um, Ed Martin and the Tea Party, uh, they sort of know that this race is lost. But what they're trying to do is turn this into an attack on Robin Carnahan because she's the Secretary of State and yeah. she's going to be up for election in 2012. Yeah. So the rumor is that they're going to keep doing, like Kevin said, they're going to go around and look for problems with the voter rolls. That's right? what and, I mean. Right they, now, that's what Gene Edenbach is doing. Jen, uh, yeah. Jen Edenbach is doing, um, and you know, and Adam has not mentioned this on the air, but she publicly. Uh, 
called for Adam to die <laughs> in a Twitter post. Well, she said <laughs> she, she said it would be, be nice if, if you I choked and died. <laughs> so that's that. That's a tea party. By the way, they're the family values party too. So I, yeah, I, so much for family values. But uh, get, moving along, there she's now leading the charge to uh, find out if voters in St. Louis, if she, they're knocking on doors of of on the looking at voter registration rolls, knocking on those doors to see if there's an unoccupied home because the voter's dead. And then that voter casts the ballot. And I'll, you know, hope, I wish them luck with that endeavor. (laughs) Um, But I think, but they're doing this specifically at every moment when they talk about this, they say, Robin Carnahan won't purge the voter rolls. Robin Carnahan won't purge the voter rolls. And uh, there was a statement again in the Beacon today that said, um, well, it's not really up to the Secretary of State to manage all of the local voter yeah. rolls. It's up to the uh, local, local authorities, election which are authorities. bound by federal law. Yeah, which are bound by law. So this, the Tea Party and Ed Martin, I think, are pretty – I mean, the rumor is that Ed Martin wants to actually run against Robin Carnahan in two years as sort of – Oh, my know, goodness. Jilted, <laughs> yeah. jilted candidate, you know, revenge campaign yeah. or something like that. Um, but at the very least, it's pretty obvious that they're all using this as a way to try to, again, attack the Carnahan name and thinking towards 2012 and, you know, attacking her because she's going to be up for re-election yeah. for Secretary of State in 2012 um, to try to to try to sort of use this as a campaign against her. I don't think at this point, you know, they're really holding out hope that Ed Martin could win, but they do see this as a, a nice opportunity to, to sort of go at um, – the people that they don't like. So, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and, and take a station break, and then we can come back and, and wrap up our discussion uh, about this election and, and the Tea Party. Hello, and welcome to today's lottery drawing. Good luck. And here's today's winning numbers. First one up, it's not yours. Second one not yours and another number that's not yours okay this is one number that's yours it's a five but you don't get any money for that and the final number is not yours yep so chances are you're not gonna hit the lottery anytime soon don't get us wrong the lottery can be fun every now and then just please don't rely on it for your future savings how about this brew your own coffee at home instead of buying that latte every day Brown bag it to work instead of ordering in. Ride your bike instead of buying all that gas. These changes alone can save you thousands a year. Thousands. Small changes today, big bucks tomorrow. Feed that piggy bank. Go to feedthepig.org for more free ideas on how to save. Feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Okay, we're back. Um, This is Student Activist Hub Radio, and I'm your host, Kevin, with my co-host, Adam. And we've been talking about the midterm elections uh, in Missouri. And uh, one thing we wanted to get to is the ballot initiatives. You talked a lot about Proposition A, which was on the ballot and would essentially ban a, a municipal. They had two questions. One, ban a municipality from uh, having an earnings tax. And secondly, uh, it would require the municipalities of St. Louis and Kansas City to vote every five years on their earnings taxes. And unfortunately, um, that uh, proposition passed uh, by a very wide margin, by about uh, three-fourths three uh, margin, 
75% or 70% to 30% of the voters believe. Not, right. not quite. Uh, it did um, successfully, uh, it was successful, successfully um, um, voted against. Uh, in, it was successful in, in basically every county except for uh, the city of St. Louis and Jackson County, which holds Kansas City. Missouri, and so the two largest cities voted against it, but everywhere else was resoundingly in favor of it. Um, and so now the next election is headed towards April. And the, the other thing, you know, a lot of the news coverage in St. Louis, not too much would uh, mention Prop A, but what did mention the fact that Mayor Slay, uh, Francis Slay, the mayor of St. Louis, was pretty inactive in campaigning against Prop A. And of course, if you talk to, uh, you know, politicos and insider journalists, they'll tell you that Slay's basically playing it low because he's received uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars from Rex Sinkfield, who was the primary benef- uh, primary supporter of Prop A. And Mayor Slay um, is basically laying it low because he doesn't want to upset Rex Sinkfield in this, uh, in this election. And, you know, one thing that... Uh, is interesting to me will be uh, Slay's role uh, in uh, the upcoming in Proposition A fight in April. Did you, there was some news this week actually um, where Slay um, basically by like Thursday or Friday had announced that he had raised $300,000 to fight um, the repeal of the earnings tax from the April election. Okay. So he is now, He's now sort of getting involved jumping in the race. into the campaign, yeah. which is interesting, although I would say so so uh, one thing is it'll be interesting to see whether the credit rating of uh Saint St. Louis, Louis is downgraded is, is downgraded um as a result of not having instability because there's going to be a vote every four year, five years um but it's also interesting now I mean so Slay's going to jump in, but um even though prop A lost statewide in the city of St. Louis. It got crushed. I yeah. mean, like, I think by 40,000 or 60,000 votes, people yeah. voted against it, which means that there's a very educated um, public. Yeah. Uh, and that it probably is going to get beat pretty bad in April, which doesn't. Well, and, and, but a lot of the coverage was saying, you know, I've talked, we talked to a few journalists about it, and they were saying, oh, well, it'll never pass in St. Louis, but. Rex Sinkfield is a billionaire. You know, what voters vote on one day, they can flip-flop the next day and say, oh, well, we changed our mind after a, you know, a multi-million dollar ad effort. Yeah, he could he could pull a Meg Whitman and spend $140 million. Yeah. Of course, he lost. <laughs> and give everyone limo rides yeah. and caviar for voting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, to me, it seems a little more likely that, I mean, Slay, well, anyway, so that's one possibility, and I don't want to discount it. But, like, another thing is, though, if Slay kind of jumps in now and then takes credit for, well, look, you know, I defeated Prop A, even mm. though these other groups kind of did all this amazing groundwork of getting 60,000 people to vote, you know, in favor of a tax, basically. Yeah. Um, it would be a little unfortunate, too, I think, if, if he comes in and tries to take all the credit for the voter education. Although, you know, it's better than him. Not, not, not doing anything involved. again. Um, um, yeah. Well, that that is good news. And on the Prop A front, I read an article about um, Rex Finkfeld, who does have a home in the Central West End. And if you live in that area, you probably see a nice 
shining black Bentley that's cruising around. Um, and uh, what's been pointed out is that that Bentley is not registered to the city of St. Louis. And so Rex Sinkfield is actually not paying the property tax. In fact, his entire fleet of vehicles, which is over a dozen, uh, is registered in a small county uh, in central Missouri. I forgot the name of the county. Uh, but uh, basically, he is paying much less in property taxes. And the whole argument of Proposition A is that the earnings tax is unfair and we should rely on property and sales tax. So he's not even funding the state. He, he of course, he's a resident. He drives on the roads. He, you know, uh, utilizes the services and gets parking and so on uh, in the city of in St. Louis City, but he does not pay property taxes on that vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, which you know is the whole argument for Proposition A that that would be fair if he paid property taxes on the vehicle. Yeah, and that that sort of shifts, I think, a little bit into a discussion about uh, what I would call the scary <laughs> prospects for the state of Missouri. Because yeah. Some people have interpreted the Proposition A vote as sort of a mandate or like a signal that Missourians, you know, don't like. Uh, big government. Well, they don't like big <laughs> government, but specifically they don't like income tax. Yeah. And, I mean, so another one of Rex's big things is we should get rid of income tax entirely and shift it all to sales tax, maybe property tax. I think it's mostly sales tax. Um, and so – Part of the reason why this Frazier seat might be crucial is uh, if Republic, I mean, Republicans definitely have a filibuster-proof majority in, in the, the House. House. They and have over a hundred seats in the House of Representatives, and there are one hundred and thirty. There are one hundred and sixty seats. That's overwhelming. Yeah, so it's huge. and they have the thirty-four state Senate seat. I believe they have twenty-four seats, or something like that. Uh, I, out of yeah, I don't know. And I the Democrats have eight. To me, it's just that that goes to the power of of gerrymandering as well. You know, this is a state where Barack Obama won about 48 percent. John McCain won 48 percent. And yet the Democrats have eight seats in a 34 member state Senate and 63 seats or, you know, something around that number and 163 member state house. So you can really do a number when it comes to gerrymandering. Even in this election where, you know, there's the, the Kansas City, Casey uh, Starr wrote uh, that this article about how Missouri is becoming a red, basically it's a red state and rock ribbed and so on. The election that they used to cite it was Robin Carnahan, and she did lose by 14 points. But, you know, this if you, if you take a look at the campaign, that's not a, a large, that's not two-thirds of the vote that uh, Roy Blunt got. Uh, that's not, you know... The Democrats got a significant share of the vote, even in this wave election where the Republicans had the wind at their back and every advantage that you can think of when it comes to money, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to, you know, Missouri already um, having a large conservative contingent in the central parts of the state and the more rural areas and so on. So, you know, I don't think that uh, I, I, I think that that's the part of gerrymandering and People should be very vigilant. They should get out and get active and, and get, uh, you know, involved in these issues because a lot of things, Missouri, what, what I've seen, what, what it seems to me is that the uh, voters of Missouri, a lot of Democrats have been asleep at the will. A lot of progressives have been asleep and have allowed basically the state to sort of slide into complete Republican control. You still have a governor, uh, 
um, Jay Nixon, um, and he's there, but if there's a veto-proof margin, then his effectiveness will be very limited, and he'll be forced uh, to basically follow the dictates of the Republicans. And by the way, the Republicans are much more conservative. It's not your father's Republicans. Oh, I wanted to mention. I mean, so that gets to uh, the, let's see, what's the, what's this guy's official title? The guy who's like the majority. The majority leader or the Senate pro temp president or? No, it's not that. It's, um, I think it's just called the majority leader okay. of the, the Missouri House delegation. Yeah. He is a uh, unapologetic birther. birther. Yeah. Uh, Tim Jones. Which means he believes that Obama was born in Mombasa, Kenya, not the United States, and is illegitimate as the president. Now, there is no evidence that would support this conclusion. And every single news outlet in the world of serious note has reported the truth, which is that Obama was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. There's a birth certificate registered there by the state of Hawaii. Uh, and you can verify it uh, there easily. Yeah. It's verifiable. There's a fact. There's no, you know, ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, it's crazy. It's and, totally nuts. And this guy, he wasn't just, he's not just believing that Obama, uh, you know, was born somewhere else. He actually was involved in a lawsuit that had Orly Tates, the sort yeah, of queen of the birthers, as his lawyer. You know, like he was involved in a lawsuit. So this guy is totally off the deep end. Um, who is now the the majority leader um, of the House of Representatives for, for Missouri? So it's it's pretty extreme. One seat, one race that was sort of under the radar was Susan Monte, Monte and right. Tom Shrike uh, running for the state auditor's race. And so now the the auditor of Missouri is a Republican. I believe he's moderate. He's believed to be moderate, but we don't know what that means anymore. And um, he has the power to audit whatever is going on in, uh, you know, in in the uh, Missouri Governor Jay Nixon's office, and so that could be used for political purposes if need be. Mm-hmm. So the Republicans have a veto-proof margin in the United in the uh, state Senate, it's a state House, overwhelming control there, so they can override Governor Nixon. And of course, on the federal level, they picked up a, a Democratic congressman out in Western Missouri, out in Springfield, Missouri and ousted him, a longtime Democratic congressman, and they've won uh, significant margins in the House of Representatives. So, uh, you know, it looks like we're going to have a Tea Party Central. Um, yeah, and I think that's a good sign that um, not enough people are yet listening to our radio show. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. if you are listening, you should uh, make sure to share it to, with your friends and yeah. Um, yeah. check out stlactivisthub.blogspot.com or yeah. check us out on iTunes yeah. um, and uh, hopefully get the word out uh, about the show as well as um, a lot of the other things going on because one of the big problems in uh, our area is the good information that's out there just doesn't get a big enough uh, audience. It doesn't get yeah. shared the, the way that some other stuff is. Yeah. Um, but looks like we're over time, so yeah. we should uh, kind of wrap up. So um, we'll be back next week probably yeah. talking a little bit still about the repercussions um, and uh, – I don't know, some other uh, interesting issues. Yeah, so you've been listening to uh, STL Activist Hub Radio, uh, and I'm your host, Kevin, with my co-host, Adam, and uh, we'll be signing out.